like to welcome you all here this morning as we uh, go through our Bibles. And if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it to the book of Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, and uh, we go line by line, precept upon precept, as the book of Isaiah says, that is the way we are to learn God's Word. So again, I believe it's so important that we follow not only the teaching of God's Word, but how we are to be taught it. So uh, want to once again remind everybody after the service we have a wonderful dinner for everyone. I was back there looking at it and oh there's marinara sauce and there's tomato sauce and there's pasta bar. It's really going to be good so you're all invited to stay and enjoy that. I know you'll, you'll like that. Well as we go to the Bible today we uh, find ourselves in chapter 32 and this is a place where Jacob returns back to his father's homeland, to the land of Abraham, Isaac as well. And so as he goes back, we remember in the story that he kind of wiggled out of his brother a birthright over a mess of pottage. Most of you remember that story. And so because of that, he got the birthright. Esau is exceedingly angry with him, said he was going to kill him. Jacob runs for his life to his mother's brother and in a foreign land. And there now God blessed him. He has all kinds of servants. He has all kinds of animals and Porsches and all kinds of things. Now he's got all kinds of things there. And so he's, now he's going to go back because it's too big for him, and so he's on his way back. Laban is angry because of the wealth that Jacob uh, had gotten under uh, living with him. And so we find now that he comes up. Now God spoke to Laban in a dream, his uncle, and said, you don't touch him. I know you want to kill him because you want to take back the stuff that he's got, but he earned that. You don't touch him. And so we remember he catches up to him, and they have this little uh, ordeal they do together, and they create this thing called Mizpah. Now, I talked about this a little bit last week, but this is where oftentimes in the Christian bookstores, you'll see a coin, and it'll be sawn in two, and it'll say Mizpah, and on the back of it, it will say, the Lord watched between you and me while we are absent one from another. And it sounds really neat, and oftentimes you'll see lovers have these around their neck. The only problem with that, it wasn't a good thing. It's, in other words, God watch between us, you low-down skunk, <laughs> while we're absent one from another. And so they erected a pile of stones there, and Jacob was not allowed to return back to the land of Laban. And uh, so uh, he's on his way now. He's uh, right at the Jordan River. He's getting ready to cross over. And so he's going in and he finds out that his brother with 400 men are coming to meet him. It doesn't sound like a welcoming party. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you now that you would cause these words to come alive by your Holy Spirit. And they were written by your spirit. It takes your spirit to cause them to come alive in our heart. And so now we ask you that you would cause this to be relevant to every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 of chapter 32 of Genesis. So Jacob went on his way 
and the angels of God met him. Now again, he's leaving his father-in-law's land. There's a mizpah between him and them that they can never come back over there for hostile means. And so now Jacob is on his way back to uh, the land of Canaan. And so it says, when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahananim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus and so to my lord, or literally my brother, Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there till now. And by the way, that was about 20 years that he had begun, that he was gone last time he saw his brother 20 years ago. And he said, the Lord has literally uh, blessed me. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and female servants and all these things. I have male servants. Uh, I have sent them to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Now, the reason he did this is because Actually, the birthright, all the goodies, went to the one who was blessed that way. Generally speaking, it was the firstborn. But God told uh, Isaac that uh, he was going to uh, uh, he was going to have the the blessing go to the younger brother, not the older brother. And so uh, Esau, now hearing that his brother's coming back. Uh, I imagine he probably thought, ah, he's coming back to get all the goodies that my dad left him, that he left me in trust with. And so we find this um, messenger going and, and kind of breaking the news to Esau that he was coming back. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we have come from your brother Esau and he's also coming to meet you with 400 men are with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the peoples that were with him and the flocks, the herds, and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, the other company will be able to escape. Then Jacob said, and I like this, what Jacob does here. O God of my fathers, he begins to pray. Now, friends, again, prayer is not the last resort that we have when we're faced with daily difficulties. It's the first resort. It's the first thing we do, to pray and be prayed up each and every day. You know, a lot of times we can get real serious about our prayers when everything has gone upside down. But God wants us to pray early, seek him early, that we'll be able to know how to navigate through each daily thing that comes to us. But Jacob cries out to God. Now, one of the things that we do cry out to God, is that you do have a relationship with God. Now again, because you're a Christian, because you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins, the Bible says we're adopted back to a relationship with our Father in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, I like that, God wants us to reckon with him as a child going to their dad. This is something the religions of the world never offer anyone. It's always predicated upon works that if you're good enough, you just might make it. 
That is not what you find in the Bible. And that's what sets the Bible apart from the false religions of the world. The false religions of the world are always trying to appease God by doing good works, going door to door, burning incense, feeling beads, reciting mindless prayers, all this stuff, and somehow to get on the good side of God. If you're a Christian here today, you're already on the good side of God because of what Jesus did for you. And I think it's really important that we don't forget that because, again, oftentimes the devil will try to get you to earn what God has already given you. God's already given you that blessing, that blessed assurance that I love you, you're my child. And so this is one of the exclusive rights of a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, really there's only one prayer that God will hear from you. And that's God be merciful to me, a sinner. Because your sins stops God's working in your life. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, you must be born again. It's not something that's an option. It's a requirement because Jesus already paid it all for you. And so this is why religion never, never brings forth the righteousness of God. I'm saying man's religion. Now, Jesus, because he loves you, And because he cares about you, he's put in his Bible promises for you. Now, living on this earth does not exempt us from a lot of tears. Living on this earth does not exempt us from problems and all kinds of issues. Now, remember, when you become a child of God, the devil marks you. You're marked by God, but believe me, you're also marked by the devil. And the devil wants to stop what God endeavors to do in your life. Because if he can stop, do, stop you from doing what God's called you to do, you won't influence the people that God puts you on this planet to influence. In other words, if he can use discouragement, if he can use uh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the, the, all of these things that would take your heart away from God, you're not going to be about your father's business. And so that's why we go through this thing we all call spiritual warfare. This is why, you know, you'll be doing really good one day and the next day you're, you're wrestling with something else. Listen, it's because there's a spiritual battle going on. Now people say, well, I don't know about any spiritual battle. It's because you're not saved. The day you accept Christ as your Savior, I remember an old story I heard about Eskimo in Alaska that accepted the Lord. And he says, um, he said, since I became a Christian, it feels like inside of me there's two dogs fighting. And the minister said, well, which one's winning? And the Eskimo said, the one I feed. Well, that's the truth. What you feed is what is going to get stronger in your life. And so we want to be about our father's business. And so Jacob cries out to God. Now, again, friends, I know this might seem a little quaint to be in a church on a Sunday morning and saying, when you're in trouble, pray. But for lack of better words, when you're in trouble, pray. Why? Because God is your source. Now, here's why Jacob is praying. All the way through the Bible, you're going to find these really uncomfortable situations. Moses goes, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know the story. Ten plagues come, the final one, the firstborn dies. They put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, uh, the, the part above. 
kind of shape of a cross, if you will. The death angel passed over, but the Egyptians who didn't believe in God, the firstborn of all the land of Egypt, was slain. Pharaoh was so heartbroken, he said, get out of my land. And so they left. And as they're on their way, I believe he had buyer's remorse because he sent the army out to get them. Some people believe to bring them back. I personally believe it was to slaughter them in the wilderness because of the death that God had brought upon the land of Egypt for the rejection of the blood. Now, here's the thing. Moses comes up to the Red Sea. He's got Pharaoh's army behind him. He's got the Red Sea in front of him and mountains on either side. There's nowhere to go. The only place to go is up. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you're in a situation in your life and you just don't know what to do. You you got the mountains on the side of you. You got the Red Sea in front of you. And you got a hot enemy breathing down your neck that ain't going to do you good. The only way out is up. And we remember that God instructed Moses to touch the water with his staff. Now, isn't that weird that he didn't have to get out and earn it by doing all kinds of religious things, selling flowers in airports and all that stuff? He just said, reach out, touch the water with your staff. He touched the water with his staff, and God did the work. Now, friends, remember, when you're in a spiritual battle, God has to do the work in your life. We and ourselves, being human, are not really equipped to do battle against principalities, demonic forces, and, and, and these evil spirits in high places. You have to have God fight that battle for you. That's why my heart breaks for people who are not born again. Because believe me, just because they're a human being, Satan wants to destroy them. There's something about human beings and demons and human beings that there's a hatred for for human beings uh, from the underworld. I believe this is why when people get involved with drugs and they get involved with all the stuff that's going on in the world, you go see them. Their lives are not better because of hey man, I've been doing all these drugs and look how good I'm doing. No, usually they're a wreck. They've lost their job. Everything's falling apart. This is the handiwork of the devil in somebody's life that doesn't know God. There's no defense against the enemy. The devil hates human beings. I don't know. I think this is probably a lot of what the whole fall of Satan was over that we find recorded for us in Isaiah chapter 14. But I believe Satan hates human beings and his demons as well. The Bible says a third of the host of heaven rebelled with Lucifer. Some people believe, which I am one, God unveiled the plan. He's going to make human beings a little lower than the angels. Angels going right on, Papa. But then God says, those that choose to love me, having never seen me, like all of you angels have, having never seen me, I'm going to elevate them above the angel and angels and call them my bride. I believe this is where the rebellion came. Whatever it was, it was so monumentous that a third of the host of angels in heaven, that there was going to be a class of angel, a class of people, a class of beings created below the angels that eventually would be exalted above the angels. You know, nobody likes to play second fiddle. How do you feel when you think you're going to get that promotion at work and instead of you getting it, some newbie that comes through the door gets it instead of you? 
Well, yeah, that causes pride. I should have got that job. I've been here a lot longer than he has. I put up with all the runny noses around here, and I should have got that position. And instead, this guy that just walks through the door gets it instead. Well, that's pride. But interestingly enough, that's basically what Isaiah 14 talks about concerning Lucifer. You are perfect in all of your ways until you said in your heart, I will be as God. Pride entered his heart, the Bible says. Well, again, we have a real formidable enemy. That's why we need Jesus in our life every day and to pray every day. And go, once again, to go over the promises of God in his word for you every day. See, in ourselves, we're not equipped to fight the devil. But with God and his word, you can fight the powers of the underworld. So he says, Jacob said, verse 9, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I, I like this, he's reminding God. Now, you know, aren't you glad that you're around to remind God when he forgets? No, I believe that really a lot of times when we come across these kinds of verses, it's not that we're reminding God of what his promises were, it's that we're reminding ourselves. But I believe when we enter into prayer, we, we begin to enter into that spiritual communion and that spiritual conversation with God. And God then reminds us of his promises, for he says, for you said, verse 12 again, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. I like that. Now, it isn't that he reminds God. God knows. Who's the one that forgets God's promises, friends? It's us. I mean, isn't it weird? I, I'm always astounded about this because I've been a Christian a long time, and I've seen all the things that God has brought me through in my life. I mean, all kinds of downright hellish things. And, and, I, 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 and, I, and I go, wow, God, you're so awesome. And you pray and you're nervous and you're upset. And, and God delivers you and you go, you are. You, thank you, Jesus. Until the next problem comes. And then it's, God, where are you? Where'd you go? Come on, are you hiding from me? Because we forget, and I'm amazed, I'm amazed, everyone, how quickly, even in my own life, I can forget the promises of God. You see, I believe this is why the Bible says to pray without ceasing, because when we're in a constant state of prayer, and that doesn't mean like this by the side of our bed, what it means is just the awareness of God's presence around us, that God's got all of us this far. He's going to get us the rest of the way. And to me, friends, that's good news. That's good news that, that where we started, God's going to see us 
through. The Bible says the very work that he's begun in you, he will fulfill it. God doesn't pick us by accident. The Bible tells us that when we responded to God, God began his work in us. And so it says, verse 13, that he lodged there the same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20, uh, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foals, and a partridge and a pear tree. No, I just He sends this giant gift to his brother. Now, why does he do that? Look, brother, I'm not coming to take my inheritance. God's blessed me. I don't need that. I'm just wanting to make peace with you. And he starts sending these. Now, the way he sends them here, as we're going to read, he sends them in, in, in waves. Here's the first wave that comes. About 550 animals is what he's giving his brother. Now, you've got to remember, even today's world, where you figure that a... What, what, what's a cow on the hoof go for now? Fifteen, two $2,000? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a farmer. I don't know these things. You're going, oh, Mike, you're way off. You can get them 10 for a dollar. No, <laughs> whatever. But uh, it, it's what I'm saying, it was a giant gift that he was giving him. And he sent them in waves. Now, again, if you're trying to impress somebody, rather than just giving it to them all at once, he just sent it while trying to overwhelm him with his generosity. Now, remember, the name Jacob means heel catcher. He was always a wheeler dealer. He was somebody that was always, always trying to figure out how to get the advantage. And so you'll see in Jacob, every trick in the book is what he used in everything that he did. But you see, Jacob failed to realize who he was in God, that you don't have to do that. God is the one that supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's why we as Christians don't need to steal. Whether it's, it's a gumball out of a drugstore or whether it's, it's thousands of dollars out of your company. You don't need to do that because God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. People have asked the question, why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible and he's not today? Friends, he is today just like he was in the Bible. But we're so busy doing it our way, we don't need God's miracles in our lives. Well, if I need a little more money, I'll just embezzle a little more from the company. If I need a little bit more of this, I'll just borrow it or take it from somebody else. Instead of saying, you know, God, I'm going to live in you. You're my king. Your word says, and we don't remind God, but God reminds us. He'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. All I've got to do is just say, okay, God, here I am. I don't know how he's going to do that, friends. And because God does miracles, he does it different in everybody else's life. The one thing I was talking to a very dear friend this past week about miracles and the believers Do you know miracles should be part of all of our daily lives? Do you realize that? It isn't that God just did a lot of miracles in the Old Testament. God does miracles today. 
But again, because we're so used to letting Visa card or, or uh, you know, our, our shucking and jiving, all those things meet our needs, we don't need God. And the more we rely on God, the more we are dependent on his miracles, friends, in the days to come. And I don't know what this world's holding. As I watch the geopolitical situation of the United States and the world, all I can tell you, we're all going to need to grow up in Jesus, be more reliant upon his supernatural power for the days to come than we have ever dreamed of in the past. It's hard to believe that just six months ago, our country was actually quasi-functioning. Six months ago, our country never even thought these kinds of things would be upon our land. Do you realize how quickly things can change? Now, this isn't a 14.0 earthquake up and down the west coast of the United States, which, by the way, uh, many of the geologists saying that the San Andreas is so far overdue when it lets go, it's not going to be an 8.0. It's going to be something we've never seen before. Because you have the tectonic plates pushing against each other. And what's going to happen? Rather than rubbing and shaking, it's going to go, and one's going to go down as the other one goes up. They believe that the San Joaquin Valley, you know, Bakersfield, Chico, all those places in the big San Joaquin Valley, that's going to be an inland sea. It isn't going to fall off into the ocean. It's just going to get pressed down as the tectonic plates move on each other. But what does the Bible say? Revelation chapter 6, it says, every mountain and island moves out of its place in the first part of the tribulation period. So no, I I believe that, that we need to learn to trust God now. And I need to ask God, please don't let me forget your loving kindnesses to me in the past. Don't let me forget every scrape, every single thing you got me through because in the days to come, we're going to be more and more reliant on supernatural, daddy-inspired, daily Christian living than we've ever known before. You see, we, we, we have a, a thing about sometimes when we're at ease, we forget these things. So Jacob now is pressed. He's run out of tricks. He's done everything he can do. He's sending, he's sending the, the, this, these waves of animals to his brother to appease him. 400 men. That doesn't sound like a welcoming party to me. Jacob didn't think that either. He said, they're coming to kill me. Well, why would he think that? Well, maybe because the last time we find Esau mentioned in the Bible before this time, he says, I'm going to kill Jacob. <laughs> maybe he's going to be it may good on that, you know? You know, sometimes, I hate to say it, but I take people at their word. And when someone says that, I think that Jacob goes, this ain't good. Well, notice. He delivered them into the hand of his servants. Verse 16. Every drove by itself, and he said to his servants, pass over before me, and put some distance between the successive droves. In other words, here comes one group. Now here comes the next group. And here go, he was overwhelming him with uh, his, uh, his appeasement here. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, 
to whom do these belong and where are you going? Who are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servants, Jacob. Is it a, it's a present sent to you to my Lord Esau. And behold, he is behind us. And so he commanded the second and the third, all who followed in the droves, saying, in this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And you shall also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterwards, I will see his face and perhaps he will accept me. Now, real quickly here, God had already told him that he was going to preserve him and his descendants was, would be a sand of the sea. But Jacob goes, well, I don't really know if I can take God at his word or not. So I'm going to do this wave thing, you know. I'm going to send him in, in heats. And, 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 and that way, you know, it's going to really impress him. That's Jacob. Didn't matter what God's word said. You know, it's really funny about us, isn't it? About Jacob. Here, you got him praying. And probably within 15 minutes, he's trying to figure a way to fix the problem. When we pray, a prayer of faith says, okay, God, it's in your hands. Now, how much do we do and how much does God do? Now, that's a good question. I've had people ask me that. Sometimes in the Bible, God does everything. Elijah running from Ahab and all, and God delivered food right to him. Pretty good. Didn't do anything. All he had to do is get up, go over and open the bag. They think DoorDash is some new thing. God had the edge on that years ago. Birds delivering his food. Usually birds take your food. Here the birds delivered the food. One day the food didn't come anymore, so he realized, well, I got to do something else. And that's how God moved him around. But the lack of something moved him to be where God wanted him to be. But the point is, for Noah, he worked over 100 years on a boat. How much does God do and how much do you do? I believe that's why prayer is important. One thing I have found, God does everything that we don't do, but I want to be careful that I don't overseed God and say, well, God, I, I'm gonna, I know what your word says, but I'm going to somehow, you know, I, I'm asking you to make my, my, my payment here, but I'm going to steal some money to do it. That's not a prayer of faith, friends. That's a prayer of excuse. We need to be careful of that. And so, as God had already said, you're going to survive this. Jacob is still extremely scared. So the present went over before him, verse 21, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. And he rose in the night and took his two wives, his two maidservants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took with them and sent over the brook and sent over what he had. And Jacob was left alone. By the way, that's a scary thing, ain't it? And Jacob was left alone. You ever been left alone? You ever leave your kids alone? They're scared of every creek, every bump in the dark. Remember when you were little? You'd lay in bed and you'd hear something go, boom. Because we were scared. And when we become scared, we don't think rationally. 
But you know, sometimes it's only when we're alone that we really find out who we are and who God is. Sometimes it will be where all your friends desert you. Sometimes it will be where there's nothing else there and you're left alone with God. But friends, that's a good place to be because God will reveal many things. And Jacob was left alone, verse 24. And a man, notice the M in man is capitalized. This is because, as we'll read on, this is the theophany of Christ in the Old Testament. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. I I don't know how this came about. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know whether it looked like some kind of a Georgia championship wrestling or whether it was a wrestling match or I don't know. And I don't know how it happened. He's in his tent all alone. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in the tent and grabs onto him and they start rustling on the floor back and forth and they're pushing each other and holding each other down and they're going through all this stuff. This is a very weird place in the Bible. A very strange story. And he's wrestling with this man, if you notice again in capitalized letters, until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, He touched the socket of his hip, Jacob's hip, and it went out of joint as he wrestled with him. And Jacob said, oh, excuse me, and he said, God said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, in in the Hebrew, it comes across that Jacob was whooped. His his hip is out of joint. uh, And it was like this being that was wrestling with him, now he's hanging on him, saying, no, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And so he tells him what is your name? And he said, Jacob. The word Jacob means heel catcher because he came out of his mother's womb holding on to the firstborn Esau's heel. What it really meant was, my name's Dirty Sneaky Thief. Imagine going through life, and hi, this is our little, our son. His name is Dirty Sneaky Thief. I think if you're a store manager, you'd probably watch that kid extra close. But that's what his name was. And it was an embarrassing name. Parents named children after something that they saw, something that they did, an event, in America, we go, oh, what should we call them? You know, and we'll go through book of names and whatever. That's not the way they did it in those days. It's what was relevant to the individual when the individual was born. I, when I was in Tonga, I met a, a girl named Telephone. And, I, 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 and then I realized telephones came when she was born, and she looked like she was probably 35 years old. So I, I, I reasoned that telephones came to the island about 35 years ago. And when I was there, we built a radio station. A couple came by, and they had a little girl, and they said, this is our daughter. And I said, oh, what's her name? And, she go, and they said, Radio, radio Atomoto. And it meant Voice of the Islands because that's when Christian radio came to their town. She was just born. And I thought, that's so unusual because we're so different in Western society because we don't do that. Well, kids were born according to what they did. Esau's name was 
Esau because he was hairy. Hairy in, in, in Hebrew means name Esau. He's a hairy kid. What we'll call, call him Harry, you know? Now it's a story about a missing link or a, I don't know, whatever. Never mind. Dirt road. We'll come back. Okay. Um, so he says, I was born, my name is Seal Catcher. Dirty, sneaky thing. And God said to him, your name shall no longer be called heel catcher, but Israel, or chosen by God, or directed by God, or prince with God, peace with God, has a lot of different connotations in this name Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said to him, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he, and he limped on his hip. And therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle or the shank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and it went out of joint. Here's something interesting. He can't go back because of Mizpah. He's scared to go forward because of his brother and 400 men. The angel just blessed him. Actually, the Lord just blessed him. His hip went out of joint. Now he can't run. This guy's, his options are getting really small. And yet, that's right where God wanted him to show him his deliverance. We're going to talk about that next week. But a couple things we can take from the story. Have you ever heard, God wants everybody healed and wealthy? I do that very much. We'll probably have a camera in here and I'll be on TV. That's not the case, friends. In fact, it's not my will, but thy will be done. That's what the Bible tells us. That's how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Now, do I believe God's a good God and wants to bless us? Absolutely, his word says that. But the way I want to be blessed and the way God wants to bless me may be two completely different worlds. I might be saying, God, I want my big car. I want this, I want that. And God says, but you're going to be a missionary overseas in a few weeks then what good would what I want have to do with what God's going to use me for? Here, God, everybody says, God, if, if, if you're sick, there's sin in your life, or you don't have enough faith. Friends, that was not the case with Jacob. And here we find a touch from God that was a crippling touch, not a healing touch. And that flies in the face of a lot of modern-day TV preachers where a touch from God crippled him. But I believe that Jacob thanked God every day for that limp that he had because he knew that his name was changed from being a heel catcher to now governed and led of God. You see, God's got great things for us, friends. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to pray and ask the Lord in your life. You need God because God loves you. 
And God's got great things for you. You can spend your whole life and um, end up with nothing. Or you can spend your life being about your father's business, laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. If you've never prayed and asked God into your life, and you know that you're battling the things of this world on your own, you have no supernatural help, it's time you come home to Jesus. And that voice inside of you that says, this is for you, that's God's voice talking to you, saying, you need to get right with me today. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you want to pray and ask God to come in your life. You're sorry of the stupid way you've spent your life. Again, as I said before, the devil's handiwork. Oh, look at all the drugs I've eaten. I'm so much better off. No, I've never found that. It's always the opposite. The devil wants to destroy you. I've had people say, well, I'm not a Christian. Uh, I'm not in the occult. I'm neutral. Nope. Jesus said you're either for me or against me. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. And then after we pray, we're going to have communion. And this was for your healing. Now, friends, even as Christians, we need to be healed. I've had a lot of people in my Christian experience be really mean to me. And I need to be healed. I need my heart healed. I need to be reminded that God's blood was shed for me. I'm valuable to God. You're valuable to God. But we need to understand that this is for your being, your body, mind, and spirit, that God wants to heal you. Paul says because people were eating of communion in an unworthy fashion, and they just changed communion into a drunken party, he said, this reason many are sick and dead among you. It's not that we're worthy, it's that we don't view what Jesus did for us worthy. This morning, you can be healed. You can be restored. You can be blessed. You see, you need that. So we're going to pray right now. And if you need to get right with God, let's just pray. And then we'll have communion. Father, and just repeat this. I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of the foolish way I've lived. Trying to define life my way. And I'm not happy. And so I give you my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and his blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to love people and God most of all to love you. And give me boldness to tell them the truth so I'll be about your business. And thank you for eternal life with you forever. Never to be scared of dying ever again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. Start reading in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. we got some DVDs we'll give you that explain a lot of things. We are going to have a baptism and, and be in fellowship. That's why we have the uh, dinner across the hall. So you break bread with people, get to know people. See, you are not a, a, an island. God made you a, a, a family so you can help one another. And so there's not a better place to do than doing that. And then the Bible says, Jesus said concerning communion, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's a funny way that Jesus wanted to be remembered, not by an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church or a bronze statue in the city park. He wanted to be remembered by a special dinner 
that was commemorative of when the death angel passed through the land of Egypt and didn't hurt any of the children of God. God says, I want to do that for you. I'm not going to let any of the junk in this world hurt you inside. You bring it to me and rest in me. This morning, if I can have the guys come forward, and we'll, um, we'll have communion, and if you'll just hold your, your portion, and we'll all partake together. But as you hold the bread in your hand, and you notice that bread, when Jesus held up the bread and he broke it, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Peter says, by his stripes we're healed. And you'll notice the side of the bread sometimes is, is, is sharp and edgy. Maybe, maybe a little bit like maybe your heart might be today. Maybe you need to be healed, and I would just invite you to let God heal you and take care of you because he loves you so very much. So as these things are passed out, hold your portion, we'll partake together, and um, just think about the things that you would like to see God heal you in your heart with. Father, as these things are passed out now, May we reckon to you, God, the healer of our body, mind, and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.